The series have been on Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now and now Joseph. Now these this series, and I don't know, this may have already um, been shared. If not, uh, let me just share this information that that this particular series is a very unique series, and the reason why that it is unique is that our pastor took all four of these patriarchs and gave all of the series teachers three to four main points. Now, personally, I like that because then we don't have to hear from God. And, and that, that, so what, so what, what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start texting him where I'm preaching and I'm going to ask him for the topic and the points, and then that's between him and God if he's in tune, and then I'm just, I'm just going to go with that. Uh, I, I like that approach. There will be other series in the future that will, that will follow this. Um, the reason why I like that approach is because I understand, and I had this in my notes before I even knew he was going to be here. I, I didn't even, I thought he would be teaching somewhere else tonight. The reason why I like this so much is because it helps unify the message of the Spirit that the Spirit is saying to this church. I think that's very, very valuable. That's the reason why I would say and I would challenge you that if you have to miss a service or if your family members have to miss a service, do your best to watch it live online and then if you can't because of some reason, then make it the highest priority to listen to what he has shared, whether through teaching or preaching. Well, why? Because God is speaking to this church. God is speaking very, very clear. As a matter of fact, I see it like this. The chief shepherd is speaking to the under shepherds to the ones that will hear what the Spirit is saying. We're very blessed with one that hears what the Spirit is saying. And what these words do is they, they um, when we do that, we position ourselves to be conditioned. It's a positioning for conditioning for this, for this day that, that we're in. Now, personally, I feel that I am the most fortunate of all four series teachers to have the topic of Joseph. And whenever I have studied this, and as I have studied this, um, my eyes have been opened to, to several other things, and I am looking forward to uh, presenting some other presentations and even preaching more from some of the segments of the life of Joseph, an amazing life. Now, as a matter of fact, as I was getting ready, uh, to come tonight, the Spirit spoke to me and said that during this lesson, the Spirit will give opportunity to people tonight and even who will watch it through webcast tonight or maybe even archive, that the Spirit is going to give opportunity for people, please hear this, to move past some very serious things that have held them back for years. Now, I believe that. 
I believe that's strong enough that right now, I'd lie, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I am going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. And can we pray that right now, that that will happen? Father, we come and we know that you have allowed by your Spirit stories of characters and things that they went through in their life to be, to be such that we can look at and, and we can align our lives to. And so I am praying tonight that your Spirit will do a deep work in the lives of, of one or many. Let the power of your Spirit do it as we, as we look at the life of one of your servants. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I believe that you would agree with me that Joseph is a very beloved character in the Word of God. There's much said about him. In your notes, the life of Joseph was an intense life of promise, pain, and promotion. I think the key word there is intense, and that's speaking of powerful, strong, and extreme. When you read how he dealt with promise and pain and promotion, it's definitely intense. So let's consider our first point. Favor without maturity. Favor without maturity. Now, when we speak of favor, we're speaking of kindness and approval and support and esteem. Joseph was highly favored from birth. Joseph was literally born in what I would call a baby war. Jacob, his father, was under serious pressure from Rachel, his barren wife, who he loved more than Leah and poor Leah. When I read this, this story, my heart goes out to Leah. It's like, what woman wants to be married to a man that really didn't want her? As a matter of fact, um, Jacob was tricked into marrying her. But Leah was way out front in the baby race. Way out front. Matter of fact, by the time Joseph was born, Jacob had fathered 11 boys and one girl by Leah, Leah's handmaid, and Rachel's handmaid. Family planning back then was a whole lot different than it is today. And can the church say, thank God. So now, Rachel's barrenness literally had her out of her mind. There was really no other way to say it. Now today, uh, barrenness is a major issue. A lot of emotions happen when, when a couple des uh, desires a baby, but for one reason or not, they're not able to. Uh, my brother, that is a year and ten days older than me, uh, they went in their marriage 17 years before they had a child and had um, a couple of miscarriages and, and had a failed adoption when they were holding the baby in their arms and the baby was taken from them. So, so when, I, when I say barrenness is a major issue today, I know that is true. Back then, you would have to add to it public humiliation, because that's what it was. So to say that Rachel was absolutely ecstatic, euphoric about, 
about Joseph would be quite an understatement. Now, when we're speaking about favor without maturity, we have to realize something. Joseph had no vote on being so favored. He had, he had no vote on that. And the literal pillow that he was carried around on, it made others sick. I mean, other people, it's like, oh, here she comes again with Joseph. You know, quit, quit. Would, would you please, you know, Rachel, can you talk about anything else but Joseph? And that's, that's literally what it was. And it wasn't just Mama Rachel, Daddy Jacob was one happy man when, when Rachel was finally expecting a baby. I mean, how many times had, had they gone through, I think I'm expecting, and then not. And I, okay, I, I think I'm expecting, and then not. And then I think, I still think, I think, I, I think, and then, you know, all the way to the shoot me stage. So literally, uh, literally back when the score was Leah four and Rachel zero, Jacob and Rachel had quite an argument. And that argument is recorded in Genesis 30, one and two. It's not in your notes. I'll read it to you. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, Am I in God's stead, who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? You know, at some point, Jacob had to have been so mad that he had to say something like, Look, I have fathered four. I am not the issue. I mean, it had to be, it was bad. It was like, it was a major thing between them. And so no wonder he was so favored. No wonder Joseph was so favored. And when he arrived, believe me, he was the most loved child. We see this when we look at the favor of his father in your notes, Genesis 37 and 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. It wasn't a secret to any of Joseph's siblings that they were not number one, Joseph was. This was not a secret. And so Jacob proved his unfiltered favoritism by giving him a coat like no other. And so he we call it a coat of many colors. His siblings had to have called it a coat of privilege. Special. Better than us. Now, there are many people in the Bible that you can look to for examples of things that we need to know in life. Do not study Jacob and Rachel as an example on parenting. Do not do that. They were failures. This was, this was absolutely ridiculous how they, they treated him. So Joseph, when we look at this, Joseph dealt with rejection from the very start. 
when we think about Joseph, you can believe that, that he grew up with constant rejection. Constant. The Word tells us plainly that, that when his brothers saw their father loved him the most, that they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. It says that in Genesis 37 and 4. They hated Joseph. And when they saw him, Tim, they, they couldn't say anything favorable to him. Now, I have three brothers. And from the oldest to the youngest, we have an a, a age range of eight years. Me being an accident. Obviously, I have a brother that's a year and ten days older than me, and my parents were not stupid. I was a total accident. There's, there's no doubt. And we, we would get into fights, but it, we didn't fight all the time. I mean, you know, we had our squabbles, but it wasn't all the time. These people, these siblings hated him. And they literally would not even speak peaceably to him. But now we look at the favor of God. So God now favors Joseph with dreams. And so now here is this hated child, this hated sibling, and now he's now God's going to give him dreams. And so what does he do? He tells them in Genesis 37 and 7. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. All of us. Now, just get this picture. They don't even like looking at him. And now he's going to stand up and tell them all this. And lo, my sheaf, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and bowed down to mine. Oh, now they were happy. They, they love that. Oh, please tell us again. Joseph, please, come on. I don't know that we got that right. Can you run that story by us one more time? Now, like, your sheaf was the big sheaf and all of ours, we all, we bowed down. Oh, everybody, come, let's practice right now. I mean, you know, you know good and well, this did not go over well. He didn't stop there. Genesis 37, 9, he had another dream. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars bowed down to me. Now we're, now it's not just siblings. Now it's, oh yeah, and, and hey mom and dad, you're bowing too. So you can only imagine the mess that, that this caused and the feelings that was happening in their house. So let's take a look at maturity. Maturity means development. It means wisdom and experience. I will say, be careful who you share your dreams with. Now, I know that this is kind of tricky uh, because the dreams actually increase their hate. And the dreams seem to be the straw that broke the camel's back. It seems to be. Here's the reason why I say that. Because in Genesis 37, 18, and 20, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, what? Not our brother cometh, or here, not here comes the one with the coat. No, the dreamer cometh. 
Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Of his dreams. Now, I can't say whether or not it was the will of God for him to share those dreams. I don't know. I mean, God, God knew that the dreams would send them over the edge. Uh, I, I can't get into the mind of God. Um, only God knows all that. Only God knows, should have he said that, what, whatever. Uh, it was definitely the dream thing that made him so angry that they were, you know, done with him. We can't take any more. So only God knows all that. But let me speak a word about now in 2021. If you have a dream, wisdom says don't share something valuable with people who hate you. Don't trust something valuable with people that you know hate you. I would even take it further to say, if God speaks something to you, it's, it's a dream that you're having, it's something you're wanting to do for God, I wouldn't even share it with people who just tolerate me. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. If God is speaking to me, if I feel a dream from God, if I feel that God is putting something in my spirit, which all of us should be feeling, this is not just a teacher thing, it's not just a preacher thing, it's not just a pastor thing, it's a God thing, and God in his relationship with us wants to give us dreams, wants to put things into our heart and our mind. After all, Jesus said, pray ye what? Pray for laborers. For what? The vineyard. Well, if, if we're going to move into that, you know God's going to be speaking things to us. Or at least he wants to, if we will accept that. But I believe the test is, and I, I laid it out in your notes, only share your dreams with spiritual, kingdom-minded people who are mature enough to rejoice with those who rejoice. I can spend a little too much time on this, and I don't have a lot of time, but the Bible does say, rejoice with those who, re who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I have found that there are a lot of people that can weep easier than they can rejoice. So it just says, rejoice with those that rejoice. Period. No qualifying. No qualifying. You say, well, what are you saying? Okay, I'll say it like this. Rejoice with those who are getting what you are praying for. That's the test right there. God, help me get a new job. God, I need a new job. God, please, I'm, I'm believing it. I'm standing on faith. And then we're talking to somebody who walks in and says, I got a new job. There's the test. Rejoice. God, I need a new car. I, I need a new car. And then somebody drives in with a nicer car talking about the blessings of God, and they got a new car. There's the test. You want to pass it? then don't say a word that you're praying for a car, that you need a car, nothing. Just rejoice with them because they got a car. 
I know it, but this is really where it is. So just share those God things with people who are mature enough to rejoice with people that will rejoice and will not run it through their personal filter. Big test. Number two, the second point, faithful in serving the Old Testament likeness of Christ. I was glad Pastor laid this point out because I had never, I had never even connected Joseph and Jesus in, in this likeness. But, but let's look at it. Joseph understood the power of serving. Now, although he was the favorite son, this, this does say something good for him. Although he was the favorite, he still served. He was literally serving his father when he, when he went and checked on them. He was doing what the father said, even though it, it got him in trouble. He served his way, uh, he, he was serving his father when his brothers attacked him, stripped him, and sold him. He was serving. He served his way to the top of Potiphar's house. He served his way to the head prison trustee. He just served. I mean, Joseph was an amazing servant. He ended up serving Pharaoh. Uh, he served the people. He, he literally passed the test at the end, and we'll get there later and say a little more about it. But he literally served the very ones who wanted to kill him. Joseph used every life situation as an opportunity to serve. Every life situation as an opportunity to, to serve. I'll never forget some of the people that I visited in the hospital looking at me like I was crazy whenever I told them, I said, okay, you know, we'd pray, and I'd try to encourage them, and I'd say, okay, uh, a, good, a good thing for you to do today would be to think of somebody that you can encourage and call them and encourage them. I've had people laying on their hospital bed looking at me like I was on drugs. Because it's like, are you, are you Yes, yes, I am serious. Because there is something about always staying focused on trying to speak a good word to somebody, help somebody, or impart something into someone else. And so the key act of service was to his fellow prisoners. And his, his last test was twofold. Would he serve prisoners as a prisoner himself? Joseph was a prisoner when, when he served prisoners. Would, and so then, here's a great test. Would he stay true to, to what he was about when he knew? I mean, when they left and, and when he told them those dreams and it happened, you know good and well that that next day after he left, you know jo it had to be a good day for Joseph. He probably got up early, straightened everything up, and it's like, I am getting ready to be out of here. Thank you, God. And day one went by, and day two went by, and day three went by, and day four went by. And I don't know what day it was, because it was a long time. But at some point, he had to come to grips with, I am forgotten. I am forgotten. These guys, he, he forgot me. And so he dealt with that likeness of Jesus Christ. 
Oh, well, how many, how many things could we say? But why don't we just take it? Why don't we just take it to the end? Why don't we just take it to Jesus being stretched out in the middle of two thieves? And he would have served two of them paradise, but only one wanted it. But the one that wanted it with nails in his feet and nails in his hands, what did he do? He served. And so then when we look at the distance between the dream and the fulfillment, now there is a person that has a name. It's in your handout. And I'm so thankful when I look at that name, that is not my name. So what, however you want to pronounce that name, I, I would make a disaster out of trying to get that person's name, but their first name starts with an O, and their last name starts with an A. So I'm going to say, O-A, explain the life of Joseph with 12 Ps. 12 Ps. You ready? We're talking about the distance now. There was the pit. Now, I'm not going to camp on each one of these because we don't have a lot of time, but I do want to say a couple of things about the pit. When you think about what surrounded, try to, try to visualize this. When you think of what surrounded Joseph being thrown by his brothers in a pit, he was disdained by them. He was literally attacked and captured, I mean, by his own brothers, and they literally had hate and murder in their eyes. He was stripped of a beloved gift from his father by his brothers. Now, I want to tell you right now, I don't have a lot from my dad, uh, but I've got a couple of things from my dad that, uh, and he passed away many years ago. You know, it doesn't matter to me if anybody else thinks those things are valuable. Those are from my dad. Don't touch them. I mean, I know where they are. I can't imagine. I mean, that was a very valued thing that, that he had given, but that was stripped away. He was literally thrown in a pit, not by strangers, not by people from another country, his, his brothers. He was sold as a slave to another country by his brothers. Now, now I saw a picture one time in one of the children's picture books, and, uh, and it was a camel, and Joseph was tied to the back of it, and he was looking sad. And oh, okay, I understand. You can't just, you know, put a gruesome picture like that, like it really was in a child's book and mess them up emotionally. I totally understand that. But let's, let's get this picture and you won't get it unless you read Genesis 42 and 21 when, when they didn't know it was Joseph and their lives were all endangered and, and they don't even know that he can understand what they're saying. Now we get the picture of the day at the pit. And they said one to another, we are very guilty concerning our brother in that, here it is, we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. In other words, here's what they were saying. We saw him in anguish we heard him begging for his life, and we ignored him. That's literally what happened. Joseph was in anguish 
begging for his life. His brothers, begging his brothers, no doubt emotional. Now, it's no telling what kind of a picture this was. And it wasn't to strangers. It wasn't to people that didn't know him that just broke in his house. It wasn't that at all. His brothers were doing this to him, and he was led away. So now do we want to talk about this distance? It's summed up in, in the letter P. The pit, Mr. Potiphar, Miss Potiphar, prison, palace, Pharaoh, policy, prime minister, popularity, population, preservation, prosperity. There it is. We can read that list pretty quickly, but do, does anybody know how many years it was from the dream to him getting out of prison? 14 years. 14 years. From the time he had that dream to the time he got out of prison, 14 years. So now let's take this story where it really needs to go now that the foundation is laid, and let's get it into our world. Let's talk about forgiveness, the absence of retribution. Forgiveness, the absence of retribution. This is heavy. When we talk about forgiveness, we know that that speaks of clemency and mercy and tolerance and pardon and amnesty and probably other words. But let's consider forgiveness. We cannot imagine the level. Now, I'm going to repeat about three paragraphs and two scriptures that I spoke on when I taught here a few weeks ago about forgiveness. We cannot imagine the level of supernatural power that would be released if we would understand the level to which we have been forgiven and would strive to forgive on that same level. Cannot imagine. Forgiven people must forgive. Must forgive. Now, I don't have time to teach to teach a lot on forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a doormat. I forgive you, so now I'm going to go, you know, back so you can keep spitting and keep beating me. Okay, no, no, no. We're not talking about that. But forgiveness is of the heart where we release people, and we say we release people. In reality, forgiveness releases us. First John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, if, if we confess our offense, he is faithful to forgive our offense and cleanse us from all injustice and moral wrongfulness. So the word of God is our answer. I guarantee you, every one of us have been done wrong by somebody. And there are different degrees of it, and we'll talk a little bit about this. The truth of the matter also is, is I have wronged people. I have been wrong. Um, when, when I think about the fact that there have been times that I've done things that people have had to, have had to work through their spirit over me, that's, that's pretty tough to think about. But it's something that, that we do, and it will help us to never want to be that person that somebody that causes somebody else to have to really work through those kinds of emotion. 
When we speak of the Word of God being our answer, it is in Luke 6, 36 through 38. Be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. That is huge. It's not be ye merciful because you know your grandmother, she was the most merciful person, and so therefore be like grandmother. You know, be, be ye therefore merciful because your father, your earthly father, or your earthly mother, or, okay, that's one level, that's great. That's, that's great, but it's not saying that. It's saying, be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Our father, God, is our example of how we're supposed to be merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. So we see from this that forgiveness must be given to be received. If we fail to forgive, there's no basis for us to be forgiven. This is heavy. It's heavy as it can be. This is the way I visualize it. I hope I'm not wrong. When I'm praying for forgiveness, you know, if I'm going to just like build a plain example of this, it would be like, Terry's praying for forgiveness. Let's look at his record. Has he forgiven? He has? You're forgiven. He hasn't? You're not forgiven. I don't know how else to interpret that scripture. But now, we, we, can, we can talk about forgiveness on levels, because now it's one thing, uh, you know, growing up and being called fatso sent me into orbit, and they had better be able to whip me when they called me that, and usually they got a chance, because it was on when I got called that, all right? There, there, are, there are things, of, you know, we can get made fun of, it can hurt, and we have to kind of work through that, all right? All right, got that. You know, they didn't speak to me at church. Uh, I, you know, I hadn't got to do that or this, or I want to do that or this, and I'm ignored, or nobody even, okay, all right. All of that, not making fun of that, I know that's a level of things we have to work out and forgive. I'm not teaching about that level. I'm teaching about what we will refer to tonight as the Joseph level of forgiveness. So Joseph's level of forgiveness was forgiving people who committed acts that literally changed family dynamics. Again, I had this written before I listened to Pastor's message Sunday. And he was speaking about there's no hurt like family hurt. He was, he was going through the life of David and all those many, many things. Okay, well, here, here we are again. You see, I mean, it's, it's, this, it's this kind of forgiveness. And I know I'm teaching fast and light. I know this is not light. I know this is heavy because it's this level of forgiveness. The family was fine until this happened. Everything was moving okay in the family until you did that. 
I'm talking about that level. Can you imagine what went through the mind of Joseph when he, when he thought he would never see his father again? Never? When he's being drug away, thinking? You know, now, you know, later on at some point, he had to get his head back right and say, okay, now, now hold, on, hold on a second. You know, uh, everybody hadn't bowed to me yet, and that was of God. So maybe there's something in the works here. All right, well, you can believe when he's being drug out of that pit, and there was a while, it had to have taken him a while to ever get back to that. He had to also be thinking, what in the world is this going to do to my father as my earthly father? But it didn't only change family dynamics. It changed his life direction. Okay, I mean, everything was fine until this, and now everything has changed. So family dynamics are wrecked, life direction is wrecked. That's two big wrecks. That's huge. And Joseph was able to forgive on that level. Unforgiveness is costly because it opens the door to bitterness. Bitterness bankrupts spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And people have physically died due to the stress that unforgiveness released in their life. Literally. Unforgiveness can release stress in our lives that over time can shorten our life in a drastic manner because stress goes in and starts fighting our organs. It's true what pastor said Sunday. I already had it in my notes before I heard him say it. Bitterness is the poison pill I take hoping you die. That's what it is. Joseph refused to take that pill. He, he had the opportunity, but he refused to take that pill. And so the question is, will we refuse to take that pill? Please don't do this now. Um, I did it the other day because I was studying about this and I was thinking, man, this is heavy. And so I just stopped and I just, I just Googled stories of great forgiveness. Oh, my, my. Do that at some point. I'm just, it's just random stories of people in the world who got to a point and realized they had to forgive and it was some major things. So now let's look at, at retribution or payback, revenge, vengeance. I heard of a man who said, he literally said this, I dream of taking these hands and choking that man to death. I dream of it. He was living for a day that, that he could get vengeance on that particular situation. But I would ask him, and he, he would not have listened in that frame of mind, but I would have asked him, who is really being choked? You're wanting to choke him to death, 
and you're being choked to death right now as you're saying that. There are people whose entire lives are set on vengeance, and vengeance is an evil goal. It's, it's an evil life pursuit. And both Joseph and David proved that they could defeat vengeance. Joseph could have imprisoned his brothers or had them killed as spies. When his brothers were, were bowed before him, all it would have taken is just one word, kill them all. And that was it. He had the power to do that. When you think about, about David, um, King Saul was literally placed in his, in his, King Saul was placed within reach of David when King Saul was trying to kill him. He was placed within reach two times. And the second time, literally, that could have been, it was Saul's spear. It could have literally been the same spear that Saul threw at him trying to kill him. And literally, it's now the second time. Now, I don't know about you, but I would be thinking in my mind that there would be a voice in, in, in David's head saying, now I honored you because you didn't kill him last time. But he deserves to die. You've, you've killed many people in my will. Now kill him. You, you know there had to be a battle right then. As a matter of fact, one of his main uh, warriors was there with him saying, let, let me strike him. I won't have to strike him twice. I'll do it. You won't even have to do it. Just give me the word. And David would not do it. And so the real test is having the power to pay them back and refusing. That's the, that's the test. When you have the chance to get them back, it's within your power, and you don't. A very small example of this, nothing to this level. There was an individual that we were close to many, many years ago, many years ago, and, uh, and they uh, ended up causing us a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And so they went a different direction, another part of the country. And months later, I'm getting on an airplane. And, you know, they, you know, you just buy tickets and they assign a seat number, right? Full airplanes. And I sat down by this stranger and we start talking. And come to find out that stranger was an executive in the company that this person that had hurt us so bad was now working for. And this executive starts talking to me about what a great person this is. And boy, the war starts inside my head. Because I had the goods. I was sitting there with the goods. And I almost lost, but somehow there was enough Holy Ghost that finally I got away from that man at the end of the flight, and whenever he went his way and I went mine, I breathed, and I said, thank you, Jesus. I won that one. I wish I could say I had won them all, but I'll just share one that I, that I did win. 
when we have the opportunity to take revenge on somebody and we refuse. Now, now I'm not talking about if, if, you've, if you've got a word on somebody that, that's damaging kids in the church or, or, you know, is immoral with people in the church. No, no, no. You, you, you refuse to go to anybody else in the church, but you get to pastor as quick as you can. So I'm not talking about hiding things that, that is actively working in the church. If, if somebody starts causing division in this church, no, 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 no. You, you don't sit on that. You take it where it needs to go. But, but, we, but we don't make it bigger. Does that make sense? Revenge. Romans 12 is a huge chapter. I, I refer to it as a, as a big boy, big girl chapter. Romans 12, 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Please underline and circle that next statement in your notes. Vengeance is an emotion we are not designed to handle. Vengeance is a God-only emotion. God is the only one that can handle vengeance. And he says, let me do it. It's mine. So we must aggressively look for a speck of good and a load of bad. Oh, that's hard. That is, that is so hard. We must aggressively look for a speck of good in a load of bad. It's the offense that opens that door, and now it's our choice. Will our spirit be improved by this test or impoverished? Okay, so now it's open. Now, now here it is. Here's the issue. It's in our hand now. So how, so how we handle this situation, are we going to walk away with our spirit being improved or impoverished? Job 23 and 10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Do you know why? Because it's only by heat that dross is removed from gold. No heat. No pure gold. We have to have heat on us. If, if we're going to come forth as gold, we have to be tried. Now, I doubt that any of us will ever be elevated to second in command of this nation. But I can tell you this, we still must look for the good. And so, and so one, did it cause us to go deeper in God? Did, did this situation that came against us? Now, I'm not, I'm not up here teaching like I'm some angel. I mean, I'm, I'm being as honest as I can be. I mean, I can't tell you how, how it's taken God and Melanie to help hold me back on several occasions. You know, I, so I'm not, I'm telling you, this, this is the reason why less, lessons like this are, are super deep. I'm not up here just saying, just, just watch what I've done. Listen, there's things I've said to people, I hope to God you never hear what I said to them. 
And I hope to God I've got enough Holy Ghost now to never say that to anybody else again. You know, there are some people that confrontation just makes them nervous. Not me. I mean, that's not my wiring. It's not, it's not that I love a fight. I don't love a fight. But I'm like, we got an issue? You know, well, what's your problem? Sit down at the table. Let's work this stupid thing out. The kingdom's big. Let's go. That's my wiring. I don't know what your wiring is about. But there's been situations they will come, they will come to us that, that it will force us to go deeper. And then one thing that we can ask ourselves is, did it stretch us to a greater understanding of what others are going through? I just talked to uh, Eric and, what's your name? Jennifer. Eric and Jennifer just moved here about a month ago. They're, they're apostolic people that they moved from another state. And uh, they had been following uh, New Life online for a while, and the Spirit led them here. Thank God. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm expecting that to happen a lot. Not just apostolics, but non-apostolics too. But, and so I was, just, I was just telling him, I said, hey, we need to get together and talk. I said, because I didn't have uh, experience with being new until three years ago. You know, I've helped, helped a lot of people through the years. Oh, you're, you're moving in, and okay, now we want to help you. We want to help you get connected. I've had all kinds of those conversations. I got a different perspective now. Now that's, that's totally different. It's like now I want to I wanna talk to people like you. You know, you know why I want to talk to them? Because I've lived it, and you were so nice to me. I can't imagine making a move like we made and people not being nice. I mean, you're talking about weird to be 58 years old, 57 years old in U-Hauls driving 13 hours away from where you just lived for 30 years. So my point is, is these situations sometimes, one thing that helps us in these situations is it helps us then to understand other people just a little bit better. So in closing... Let's consider quickly the many tests that Joseph passed with the help of God. These are not in your notes. You can just kind of grab on to a couple, but it, it, it explains the point well. These are the tests that Joseph passed. The lack of vision support, rejection by those he loved, betrayal to the point of being sold, imprisonment, Imprisonment number one, that was the pit. Discomfort, abandonment by family, sold as a slave, loss of cultural, sexual temptation, being maligned, falsely accused, imprisoned again the second time, dashed hopes, forgotten, unforgiveness, and vengeance. So in your notes, I ask this question. What was the key to the amazing life of Joseph? And here's what I'm going to preach about someday. He kept his God dream bigger than his problems. He kept, he had to do that. Nobody else was doing that for him. He had to keep that dream bigger than what was coming against him. 
And it was his laser focus on his God vision that had to have played a role enough to sustain his rejection, his betrayal, and his temptation. So what does Joseph tell us? He tells us to hear from God, whether through the written word, which is enough, whether it's a personal word, and then when we have that, we drill down far enough to plant our lives on it and to realign our daily vision. And when the trials and temptations of life come our way, we can stand firm by knowing that God has a plan and we're part of it. And so what's the bottom line? Our desire for Him in your notes must outweigh what we encounter from them. Our desire for Him has to always outweigh what we encounter from them. Him is Jesus Christ. Them is every human on this earth. Or even spirits that come against us, for the Bible clearly tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so this is why the study of Joseph is so important, because his life shows us how to be greatly used by God under horrible circumstances. But what's the key? We have to keep our spirit right. I cannot tell you how many people that I have talked with, advised during tough situations. And my, my, my main advice that I say to people going through anything, your battle is your spirit. The battle is your spirit. But you've been wrong. Okay, we're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to talk about the battle is your spirit. But you don't know what they've done. I know that, and we'll talk about that. But the battle is your spirit. And I want to tell you the reason why people get sideways and people come and people go, and the reason why people get so messed up over so many things is because they're losing the battle with their spirit. And my spirit is my responsibility. I, I appreciate the help that I can get from Melanie, my kids, pastor, whoever, friends. I appreciate all the help. But when it comes down to it, we're all like Joseph in, in this matter. Our spirits are our battle. And when we keep that right, God works in our lives in ways and works things in a way that there's no way that we could, we could lay it out. There's no way that we could connect it. But God knows how when somebody keeps him above them. And so I'm praying tonight that somebody will, will if the Spirit has prompted anything, something may be holding you back, something maybe that's lingering, I'm, I'm trusting that you'll take some time and take that hand out and, and go spend some time with God. And forget what I put on it. Just go through the Scriptures and think about those Scriptures and let God speak to you. Can we pray? Father, thank you for your Word. And thank you for your ministering spirit. And I am thanking you for the people that you're speaking to through this lesson. And I know... I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are going to be people that are going to make decisions 
and they're going to make better decisions. And there are going to be people that are going to get a hold of their spirit, and they're going to move forward and see you work in their lives the way you worked in Joseph's lives. Now we claim that. Bless these people in Jesus' name. And can everybody say amen? Amen. Amen. Get here Sunday. It's going to be a great day.